are listening to the Party in My Plants podcast, and I am back from burnout, baby, and I lived to tell the story, which is completely not coincidentally what this podcast episode is all about. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. Friend, if you had asked me a few weeks ago, like my podcast assistant did over email, my husband did in long car rides, some diehard listeners did on Instagram Messenger, or my best friends did over ABCV's Butterbeans That Taste Like Bacon, Neil Harden, executive chef of ABCV, and friend who wrote a big blurb for my upcoming book. Neil, you are a plant genius with your Butterbeans, which I am not because I just needed to autocorrect my spelling of genius. But if you had asked me the state of my podcast, I would have told you, like I told them, straight-faced and convincing as hell, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. It's over. I had a great argument too, though I can't even remember what it was anymore because it was depression talking, not Talia. You see, I was going to cancel it. I was truly too messed up to see the joy in the show anymore, to feel the joy in this show anymore. The idea of looking at my podcast mic pained me so much that I legitimately had to hide it. And the idea of invoicing sponsors for remaining payments felt like too much of a struggle that I avoided it. I chalked it up to burnout. That's what I self-diagnosed myself this winter when I could barely reply to an email without three, hey, Talia, I'm just circling backs, or when I could barely see the purpose of party in my plants or my worth in anything. I figured it was burnout because, well, isn't everyone burnt out? I mean, I'm not usually so trendy, but so many times of seeing posts about burnout warning signs, headlines for burnout recovery tips, recipes for burnout muffins. I guess I fear-mongered my way into saying me too. But the weird part in retrospect and also in the present spect, which I somehow justified away, was that my quote-unquote burnout hit when I was hardly doing any work to burn out from. I'd already been phoning in podcast episodes, forcing Instagram posts, dreading emails, yada, yada, for a long while. And then our move happened, which I don't know if I'd consider to be a distraction, an excuse, or a furthering of myself into a dark black hole, or maybe all the above. But what I would say is that it didn't help my cause one iota. Work after we moved became logistically impossible, which now as I say that... I think I just use as an awesome excuse for a much deeper problem. Weeks of basement remediation due to a flood on moving day meant weeks of banging and drilling and dusting and men in and out of our house, which alerted Tommy to bark like the world was ending each and every time. We ate pizza and ice cream almost every night. And since it was winter outside and ripped up floors in our basement gym inside, I had no way to sweat it out and get those endorphins in. 
wrong deliveries, broken items, delays galore, yada, yada, yada. Typical moving stressors went on for months. We had heat outages on 17 degree days and hot water issues during which once I drove to my parents' house an hour and a half away just to take a hot shower. No wonder I couldn't keep up my lighthearted plant girl persona, I justified to myself. And for someone who needs routine and claims she's allergic to change, all this chaos wrecked havoc. I thought it was just adding to the burnout. Oh, yeah, just put it on my burnout tab, please, universe. Next came a fallout on Thanksgiving, two hours before sitting down to eat, in the midst of shredding kale for my super salad with my best friend. My best friend who also happens to be my only sister. It's too painful to talk about, and I still have some hope that we'll maybe eventually be able to rebuild a new relationship, but it's it's just so hard to walk around the world with a broken heart. I assumed this was just an extra burn on the top of my out. No way I could be holding down interviews if I could barely hold down tears. In December, my health joined the burnout party, and I'm honestly shocked it was that fashionably late. Having IBS that is so triggered by stress, it used to be that just a few minutes of stress cause a day of stomach pain. But I have to think that after all these years of dealing with IBS that I must have found a clever way to sneak my stress past my stomach. Like those kids we see in movies climb out of their bedroom windows, have fun with their friends, and then climb back in while their parents are downstairs watching Johnny Carson or just watching a radio because those scenes are never in modern times. Or maybe my stomach just got tired of alerting me about stress, but... Regardless, my body made some executive decision to scream at me in a much louder way. You know how I've talked about my senior year of college when I was chugging green juice galore but was totally socially stressed? My whole I became a health nut hermit thing? The impetus for starting Party in My Plants in the first place, which you will hear on every single podcast interview I do about my upcoming book? And also, I write about it in my book, Party in Your Plants, coming out April 21st, 2020. Well, at that time in college, despite my stomach and myself miraculously becoming best friends for the first time in my life, thanks to the plants, the stress in my system from all the social stuff still caused my first eye herpes. Yes, that is a real thing. Outbreak. So it was the day before winter break, after weeks of exams and papers and gloomy 12-degree days, hashtag Syracuse life, when I got a little bump on my eyebrow. I assumed it was a pimple, and I listened to my holistically-minded mom's advice, and I smothered it with zip-zapping tea tree oil. Instead of putting the pimple out of business, it spread sores all over my eye until I was rushed to the ER with a high fever and doctor's fears of blindness. I was diagnosed with herpes, which I've had so much shame saying out loud till this year, but YOLO, and I learned the miracle of bed rest and Valtrex. That's the medication. I also learned that I have a ticking time bomb inside of me, an intensely painful condition, intensely triggered by intense stress. So thanks to my plant party lifestyle and my relentlessness for keeping my stress as low as my bowling score, my eye herps has only since reared its painful self during like a 
few tumultuous times since, like once every year and a half at most. And I'd sense it coming thanks to a tingle around my eyebrow, so I'd rush to renew my script at an urgent care center and I'd banish it no problem. But since October, when we started our life upheaval, I'd been in a constant state of that tingling. It was like my eyebrow was locked with its fasten your seatbelt sign on. I spent the majority of my winter going from walk-in clinic to walk-in clinic, practically pleading for prescriptions with as many refills of the magic herpes killing drugs that the confused physician would give me. One doctor had never, ever, ever heard of eye herpes. One other doctors scolded me for not having a primary care that could give me the script. I had to keep defending that this was unusual and I didn't need a prescription usually in the past, but uh, suddenly it was like nonstop tingle city. So in December, I actually announced to my inner circle that I'd burned out and I prescribed myself all of January to pump my brakes. Hence my podcast abruptly getting parked on January 28th. But at the end of my month of midday naps, massages, moping around, and married at first sight reruns, I was blindsided with my worst eye herpes breakout since the OG, and I didn't even feel the tingles coming. I just could not understand why during a month of zero work, my health, which has always been a direct reflection of my stress and anxiety, kept getting worse. I took this to mean that I actually couldn't be burned out. I must just be that drastically out of alignment with what I'd been doing for so long since the idea of my podcast, Mike, a witty Instagram caption or a whoosh, just sound out your newsletter to 10,000 people, made me feel nauseous. Another word I just needed spell check to help me fix. I really thought that this was a sign to keep fueling my shutdown party in my plants manifesto. And friend, oh, I was so wrong because I'd later understand that pumping my brakes was the exact opposite of the solution. Little foreshadowing for you. I could barely get out of bed in the morning or hardly go a day without tears. Meditations weren't helping. Exercise wasn't helping. Thinking most definitely was not helping. One day, I just, I got a gut feeling that trying an energy meditation could maybe help. I'd seen Gabby Bernstein talk about using EFT or tapping for anxiety, and I decided to give it a real shot. So I devoured podcasts. I watched YouTube videos. I read websites, and I had tried every tapping meditation I stumbled upon. Eventually, one thing led to the next, and I started working with a therapist who is also an EFT expert and fuses talk therapy with this energy-moving mindset-adjusting modality. We started our journey by working through a bunch of undealt traumas and crap in my past, which were coming up to impact me today, which was incredibly transformative and healing. That then led us down the road of fear of success, which I think was and is a road very worth taking. I had this big, awesome speaking gig coming up, a gig on a big stage for over a thousand college students, something I'd been dreaming of doing for like seven years. I thought maybe since I was closing in on achieving a bucket list speaking gig just two months before launching my bucket list book, after moving into a bucket list home with a bucket list husband and dog, maybe, maybe I was self-sabotaging. Or in the words of Gay Hendricks, who wrote one of the best books of all time ever called The Big Leap, 
Maybe I was upper limiting. Please read that book, by the way, The Big Leap. Oof, it's in the show notes. I somehow, in the throes of being a mannequin of Italia, I somehow pulled off the speech. I did the best I could, given the state I was in, to empower those students to be like a cauliflower. Because as I said on stage there, if a cauliflower can be pizza, you can surely be anything you want. I told a story about an ex-boyfriend dumping me because he said I wasn't ambitious enough. Different boyfriend who dumped me because he liked cheeseburgers and cigarettes more than me. I told them how I took that guy's actually, I need to date someone ambitious breakup statement, which happened in the warmth of my space heater, and let that line, actually, I need to date someone ambitious, make me feel like shit. Until one day I woke up and realized that my ambition doesn't have to look like his ambition, and I quickly went on to create and build party in my plants into what it is today. Suck it, space heater Luke. I told all sorts of stories and shared all sorts of things that had led me to my successes thus far, not realizing that everything I was saying to them was everything I needed to hear to get me out of the hole that I had fallen into. Because here's the thing I'd been missing when I went down the burnout rabbit hole. The whole time, What was going on underneath me was a brewing, building, brutally painful disconnection from my own truth. I had turned my back on my intuition, my ambition, my authenticity. I had been giving away my power, my passion, my belief in myself, and it had been killing me softly. Long story short, ish. Upon finishing writing my book exactly a year ago, I had realized that I had another book bubbling up and probably another one after that. And maybe, hopefully, even more after that. I knew that while maybe one of those books would be more about food, likely they would be book books with stories, humor, lessons, advice, and empowerment. Some call those self-help books. I would call them that too. Anyway, I sought out some advice. Someone had told me that I was muddying the party in my plant's water by adding too much Talia into it and that my best road to success would be to keep pimp only about plants and make a separate thing only for Talia. I listened and I nodded and I took vigorous notes. And ever since they told me that, I've been paralyzed. What do you mean, take the Talia out of plants? What does Pimp look like without Talia? And what does a new Talia brand look like without plants? In my paralysis, I became powerless. And in my powerlessness, I got really desperate. I sought nonstop help from anyone who would offer it since I'd begun feeling like I didn't know what the heck I was doing anymore. I just kept adding more and more voices into my helpless head. You wouldn't catch me for a minute without a strategic podcast in my ears, unless, of course, I was on a call with an expert or a consultant or any random person willing to offer their two cents. This welcomed inundation of advice and information made me even more confused. It exacerbated the paralysis. It made me question my every Instagram post, judge my every idea, pause my any move. And then it made me depressed because I was now questioning myself. I was ignoring 
myself. I was no longer doing things that brought me joy and gave me purpose. I had completely detached from myself and my values of connecting, empowering, lightning, and truth-telling. The problem was that I had separated from myself. I had let others tell me who I am, convince me of what I want, instruct me about what I should do. And I had just told my gut adverse reaction to just shut up and do as they say, because sometimes, Talia, growth feels scary and you got to push through it to get to the other side, sister. Okay, it's true that growth and change sometimes feels scary. They often feel scary, but growth and change, I'm pretty sure, shouldn't feel sickening. Growth shouldn't lead you to months of nonstop walk-in clinics and nonstop tears. Thankfully, thankfully, my inner truth was relentless. Like that fire alarm in Phoebe's apartment and friends that would not be quiet no matter what. Oh my God, that's the best episode. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, and she like takes out the battery and she smashes it and then blah, blah, blah. So it would just not be quiet no matter what. And that was my inner truth, relentless. So I was at a conference all about the speaking industry when throat pain started. It was at the very early phases of the coronavirus crisis in the U.S. So I thought my lymph nodes were like kicking into high gear to maybe be fighting that off or something. I don't know. The pain was excruciating. With the help of Advil, I made it through the conference and then got back home where surely I'd rest up and feel better. But the pain just kept getting worse and worse. Quickly, it had spread to my jaw where it felt like so bruised as if someone had like punched me in both of my cheeks. Then it spread to my chest where it felt like, I don't even know, but the pain then like ricocheted to my back and my shoulders too. Because I had recently joined One Medical, shout out, not sponsored, but awesome, love you One Medical, I was able to have a virtual consultation with the doctor. I was fully convinced at that point that it must be corona since it was hurting in my chest. But as I explained the symptoms, the doctor said it sounded like extreme heartburn. Huh? I've had heartburn a couple times before, and it feels like heartburn, not like someone punched me in my jaw. But she explained some sciencey stuff to justify her thinking and said to try Pepto-Bismol, and if the pain subsided, it was pretty solid proof that I was dealing with acid reflux. I got off the call cursing the medical care system. Of course, she just wants me to take drugs. Heartburn my ass. I got up from my desk and noticed my copy of Louise Hay's little book, Heal Your Body, on my bookshelf. This is just a wonderful book in which the late, great Louise Hay matches mental causes with physical illnesses and shares, as she calls it, metaphysical ways to overcome them. I often turn to this little pocket-sized guide when random ailments come up to see if her assessment of what's going on in my mind and soul matches what's going on with my body. You can totally take this or leave this, okay? Some folks look at their astrology chart. I look at this. We can do we, right? Anyway, I flipped to heartburn and I read, probable cause, fear, 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 clutching fear. And the new thought pattern she suggested was, I breathe freely and fully. I am safe. I trust the process of life. I breathe freely and fully. I am safe. I trust the process of life. 
As I read those words, tears started streaming down my face, and I got up and scrambled to find Pepto-Bismol in our home, which ironically we only have because Tommy used to get diarrhea, and the vet said we could give him half pink pill crushed up to help. My jaw pain, chest pain, back pain subsided. I breathed more freely and fully. I brought this woo-woo to my therapist the next day. I cried with her on Skype video, and that's when everything came out. We tapped, and I acknowledged that I'd turned my back on myself, that I'd been suffering because I'd cut off my own connection to joy, that I'd lost so much confidence because I'd been ignoring myself and clinging to others, that I'd been acting exactly opposite of the Talia that had gotten me to the joyous place I was falling from. I grieved and accepted the embarrassment, and then, then I felt born again. It lifted the pain, the self-hate, the guilt. Giving name to it gave me strength over it. I felt like a completely different person. No, scratch that. I felt like myself. I immediately wrote emails I'd been avoiding for months. I jotted down ideas I'd been hating on. I smiled. Friend, I freaking smiled. During that keynote, when I got on stage and spoke about the confidence lessons we can learn from our cruciferous friend, Cauliflower, I talked about that to be confident and authentic and at peace, we must shed our limiting beliefs like we'd shed the stems and leaves and dirt on a cauliflower before using it. Well, I forgot to mention, and we'll be definitely adding to that keynote, that if you don't shed those limiting beliefs like the stems and the leaves, they'll rot and become toxic and pungent and all-consuming. Spotify told me that my most played song of 2019 was that 2014 Bleachers song, I Want to Get Better. I believe them. I would rock that song on runs with so much enthusiasm and optimism as if it was an anthem for self-growth and more goal achievement and bigger dream catching. I want to get better. I'd scream in my head with hope and happiness as I moved my arms and sweat and ran. But last month, on one trip back from yet another long, scary, exhausting visit to yet another walk-in clinic to victimize myself to yet another random person in scrubs, the song I Want to Get Better came on. And this time, it became a prayer. I sobbed, saying it full blast in my car, just praying to the universe, my better half, my higher power to please, I'm begging, please help me get better. I didn't know I was broke until I wanted to change. I want to get better, 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 better. Those words, I didn't know I was broken till I wanted to change. I'd hit a rock bottom. I said there had to be a better way. I knew I could not keep withering away over here. The true Talia was inside me, pleading to come out, screaming through herpes and heartburn to listen to her again, to tune back in, to stop looking outside and hear what's inside. So I put down the business books. I paused the expert podcast. I crowded out the advice. And slowly, with tapping, patience, therapy, rest, Google Docs, and basement workout dance sessions, which I'm sure you've seen on Instagram, I began to hear Talia again. And as soon as I did, it was like my body felt safe enough to shut down all the warning signs and return to normal. 
Listen, you can do with this story what you want. It is not medical advice. It's not mental advice. It's certainly not plant eating advice. It's just my truth. And so like if I was passing around a plate of crap free oatmeal raisin cookies from my book, you can feel free to take it or leave it. No judgment or pressure from me. Speaking of my book, it's coming out so soon now. Party in Your Plants, 100 plus plant-based recipes and problem-solving strategies to help you eat healthier without hating your life is available wherever books are sold. You can buy it. Am I being too subtle? Please go buy it. I want to say a little thing about my book and where it fits into my heart and mission and purpose, which is maybe just for me to get off my chest and out of my therapy sessions and off pages in my journal and into the world for my own identity purposes, which is the thing that was unraveling in the long story I just told you. But I think it could be helpful to clarify for you too. I describe my book as half self-help, a quarter memoir, 75% brand new plant party recipes. Yes, I know that adds up to more than 100, but I promise I'm better at making healthy living not suck than I am at math. The entire purpose of Party in Your Plants is to empower people to feed their bods so they can live their best. Where I realized I was getting tripped up in my whole losing my identity thing was when people would say, your cookbook, or introduce me as a chef. Yes, there are a hundred recipes in my book. Yes, I did graduate from culinary school. Yes, I've worked in a restaurant kitchen, but I don't feel that my purpose on this planet is creating recipes. I feel that my passion is empowering people to be their best. Bottom line, end of story, mic drop. Actually, the moment you've maybe heard or will definitely read about in the opening of my book about when I dropped the mic on a stand up stage for the last time was because I realized I wanted to use my words to empower people to make changes and not just entertain people to make chuckles. So I got really wrapped up for a while in this chef cookbook identity that didn't feel like my own identity. Because the truth is, and as I've been saying on all the podcast interviews about my book that I've already taped so far, I don't even totally enjoy cooking. What? I know you heard it here first, folks. I mean, for me, Cooking, it's just not this meditative, artistic expression. It's a means to an end. It's a tool that I use to make sure I fuel myself with the best so I can go out into the world and be my best. For years and years, I had to cook a ton because it was the only way to get plants in my bod. But now that it's so easy where I am to buy it or at least buy things that speed up the process like almond milk, which I used to have to make from scratch, I'd rather go that route. Because you might disagree. You might. But I believe that time is currency. And I don't like spending a lot of my most precious resource on cooking. That's why All the recipes in my book are easy, doubleable, and rely on tools or pre-cut frozen options and stuff like that to save time. The recipes in my book are the recipes I make in my life. But anyway, after nearly a decade in the planty space coaching people, writing to people, speaking to people, podcasting with people, being a people, I realized that what I'm really selling here, disguised as black bean brownies and besto pesto and strawberry hummus, what I'm selling is courage. 
Courage to order the cucumber when everyone is eating the chips. Courage to pack the lunch when everyone goes to Panera. Courage to persevere with plants when it's challenging or uncomfortable or awkward. I heard someone say that wellness, in my case food, is usually the gateway for people to connect with themselves. And I just need to get off my chest right here, right now, that I exist more for the latter. My book is a boldness empowerment guide for nailing the first major step in taking control of your life, which is taking control of your health. Let me say that again. My book is a boldness empowerment guide for nailing the first major step in taking control of your life, which is taking control of your health. I've proven way beyond a reasonable doubt that the road to an abundance of energy to show up in the world authentically starts with how you treat your body. That the ability to live a life in which you trust your gut and act accordingly stems from having a healthy gut to trust. So everything my platform party and my plant stands for, teaches, creates, and publishes is designed to help you feel your absolute best by way of joyfully prioritizing what you put into your mouth and what you do with your body. Because I whole artichoke heartedly believe that the world is better when we're our best. So I'm just so committed to helping you be your best, which to me means being your boldest, which also to me stems from first prioritizing your wellness. But friend, expect to see more about the second. That's what I'm also trying to say here. There's a second. There's the what to do when you've prioritized your wellness and now you want to go out there and be your boldest. That is what's on tap for us next. I really hope you're game to go on the ride. So I want to end with this. The speech I recently gave, which by the way, I'm available to give at your company conference or college. So please reach out if you have an idea. But this speech was about how if cauliflower can be rice, hummus, gnocchi, pizza, I believe with every fiber of my fiber stuffed stomach that we can be or do anything we want. But that's next. First, it's my honor to teach you how to better enjoy cauliflower to get that plant party pep in your step in the first place, which I will do in my book, Party in Your Plants, by way of cauliflower sauce, cauliflower pizza poppers, and cauliflower curry get well soon, to name a few. You can go to partyinyourplants.com to buy Party in Your Plants right now. Thank you so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. I have missed you. I have missed talking into a mic alone in a room, and I am unbelievably relieved that I am no longer microphone intolerant. I hope you are excited for the return of this podcast. I hope you're curious when you hear me say right now that I have some fun, fresh new plans for the show up my sleeve that I'm going to be rolling out soon. Woohoo. You know, The first episode of the Party of My Plants podcast dropped on November 12th, 2016. That's three years, four months, and 15 days ago. My show is a junior in college. That's pretty cool. Good job, show.
And I have to say, before I sign off, because apparently I am now very not microphone intolerant anymore. <laughs> Actually, this is kind of like when vegan ice cream became a thing after years of me being lactose intolerant and like not being able to eat ice cream. And then I saw the vegan ice cream and I just couldn't stop. Anyway, I have to say that a huge reason I persisted with trying to get my soul on straight was because so many of you reached out to me asking when I was coming back and shared how much you love the show and my work. Gosh, really, I can't even tell you how much that means to me. Seriously, thank you. That's an understatement. Whatever means more than thank you is what I want to say to you. And I know this sounds weird and salesy, but I have asked many of you who messaged me on Instagram or emailed me kind things to copy and paste your kind words and put them in an iTunes review for my show. And you've done that. And I really appreciate it. And I would also really appreciate it if you haven't done that and go do that now. It really helps my show get into more earlobes, ear canals. Anyway, thank you so much please visit the show notes at partyinmyplants.com slash 177. Thank you and talk to you soon.